morning, good morning, good morning, sweet, beautiful Texas and beyond. Dwight Yoakam, a thousand miles from nowhere, kicking things off for us on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. I'm your host, Cable Smith, and it is great to be here talking hunting, fishing, the great outdoors and all that implies with you fine folks today. Thanks for dropping in. I sincerely appreciate you. We've got a lot to get into today, so we're not going to waste any time. You know what to do. Pull up that stool a little closer to the campfire. Pour yourself another cup of coffee out of Granddaddy's beat-up old Stanley Thermos. Yep, that one that has mud caked on it from four duck seasons ago. And, you know, I think it adds character. You might not even want to wipe that mud off. And certainly, you don't want to wash the inside too good because just like a cast iron skillet, those things build up flavor over time, I'm telling you. Uh, but pour yourself another cup because we are ready to get right down to it. Uh, off the top, we'll be joined by an old friend of the show. He is the Pope and Young Club president. That is right. If you don't know what the Pope and Young Club is, it is essentially the record keeping for all bow hunting across North America. So, uh, Jim Willems, our good buddy, will be here. And Jim is someone who I respect, someone who has, over the years, Made archery a lot harder on himself than most of us do. And I mean, he uses a recurve bow, and that's it. Uh, so we've got a lot to get into with Jim. A couple things we'll hit on. Um, obviously, traditional archery equipment, elk hunting the West, the Crossman Airbow, which I read this week is going to be allowed during Virginia's archery season. Are you kidding me? What the hell's going on? It's a gun that happens to fire a spear, it's runoff CO2. It's not a bow. Uh, so we'll get into that. Also, the Pope and Young Club and Boone and Crockett Clubs uh, recently came to a gentleman's agreement on their scoring process so that um, everything is standard across the board. Jim was instrumental in that. Uh, then the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service continued mishandling of wildlife policy. Uh, also, those folks that are in the middle, uh, how do we keep them on our side? You know, maybe they don't hunt, but hey, they come over and watch football with you on the weekend and enjoy venison chili or backstrap and are generally cool with hunting. Uh, how do we make sure that they stay that way? Because there's only a small faction of people who actually hunt these days, and there's a small faction of folks who are vehemently opposed to us. Uh, so we got to focus on that middle ground. Uh, we'll talk about that as well and, uh, and probably get into a few other things in addition uh, to all of those topics that I mentioned. So Jim will be here for multiple segments. And then um, at the bottom of the hour, we'll be joined by EarthX Public Relations Director Patrick Fogel. Now, what is EarthX? What was previously known as Earth Day. It started in Texas and is now celebrated, uh, I mean, pretty much globally at this point. But the actual EarthX or Earth Day, will take place in Texas coming up in April. And why would we talk about it on this show? Well, Ivan Carter came up to me at Dallas Safari Club. Ivan's someone that I, I really respect. And he said, Cable, I, I want to introduce you to the Earth X people. And I was like, Earth X? I was like, why do they even have a booth here? Aren't those tree huggers, anti-hunters, and generally environmentalists who think that we're all bloodthirsty savages? And he's like, yeah, traditionally, uh, but they're trying to change that mindset. And I said, okay, now you, you got my wheels turning here, Ivan. I'll, I'll entertain this. And 
And so uh, en- ended up taping an interview with uh, Patrick Fogel at the EarthX booth there at Dallas Safari Club. And, and hey, if they're willing to be open-minded about sustainable use hunting, which actually they're more than open-minded. You come to find out they're, they believe that science-based wildlife management is the only way to do business when it comes to managing animals. And so uh, that belief is right on par with everything that this show stands for. Uh, so it'll be interesting, though, because there will be tree huggers there. There will be anti-hunters there. But, hey, we only have one Earth, and it's important that we try to come together and figure out how to live here peacefully despite our differences. Uh, and I think this is a great starting point for that conversation. Uh, so that's what's coming up at the bottom of the hour. It's going to be a great show, guarantee you that. A couple other things to mention. Our January-February Photo of the Month contest is rocking and rolling. We are giving away a pair of Costa sunglasses. So send in your best hunting or fishing or outdoor photo to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com. Better yet, post it on our Facebook page wall or use the hashtag LSOS Photo Contest on Instagram. Um, also, we're going to do a quick giveaway, but we're going to change it up this week because a lot of folks who tune into the podcast, they want to throw their hat in the ring. So I'm going to take entries all week. This week's prize is a Lone Star Beer camo cap and Lone Star Beer camo dove seat slash cooler. So you can put your cold drinks in there, sit on it, throw your dove in there when you shoot them. Anyway, it's a cool prize pack, and all you have to do is, for those listening on the radio, text in 214-289-7807. Text in the word Lone Star, 214-289-7807. If you're listening to the podcast, all you have to do is email the word Lone Star to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com. Then at the end of the week, I will number the submissions and a random computer generator will select the winner. So everybody has the same chance to win. Uh, let's take a break. Up next, we are talking all things archery with Pope and Young Club you president Jim Williams right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. There's no telling what's in store along the 35 corridor. Hey, y'all. Cable here for Three Curl Outfitters. And whether you want to bow hunt hogs or... Get after them with thermal imaging and night vision. Under the cover of darkness, 3Curl has you covered. They've got the latest and greatest thermal imaging and night vision technology. They hunt unlimited, I mean, just thousands upon thousands of acres of ag fields. Or if you're a bow hunter and you want to sit in a stand and wait for the hog to come to you, uh, they can do that as well. Check it out, 3Curl.com to book your next hog hunt. Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffbear for Hoffbear's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffbear's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. Please keep buying your Polaris products from us. Send us your friends, your neighbors, all your hunting buddies, and I promise we'll keep giving the best deals on a brand new Polaris in all of Texas. Whether you're looking for a Polaris for work or play, whether you need a regular Ranger or maybe a Ranger Crew, an RZR, they've got an all-new Ace 
race that you need to come test drive. We've also got four-wheelers from a youth model all the way up to the all-new Sportsman 1000. For your Polaris headquarters, Hoff Powers Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas is who you need to see all or get on the web and contact today. You can check us out at hpolaris.com. That's H is in Hoff Power, polaris.com. Or you can come see us at Highway 84 West in Gulfway, Texas. And folks, Hoff Powers has been in Central Texas for over 50 years now, and we couldn't have stuck around this long if we were steering you wrong. So many times I've looked at you So many songs that came on cue Now I try to figure out Just what this song's about It could have been a happy tune that is the long-awaited album from Steve Martin, Funny Man Comedian, and the Steve Canyon Rangers, a collaboration there. Bad Night's the name of that one. And no, seriously, the name of the album is the long-awaited album. <laughs> I'm Cable Smith, by the way. Thank you guys and gals for being here. It is a pleasure to be talking outdoors with you. Uh, this is the Lone Star Outdoors show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. Also, thank you to Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris, our presenting sponsors. Well, we are all set to talk some bow hunting this morning. Um, actually, we're going to talk a lot of bow hunting because I had the pleasure of sitting down with Pope and Young Club President Jim Willems at the Dallas Safari Club show about three weeks ago, and uh, we got into a myriad of archery-related and hunting topics. Uh, but before we jump into that, this segment of the show is proudly brought to you by our new apparel sponsor, one that I'm thrilled to be working with. I'm talking about First Light. You've probably seen some pictures of my British Columbia trap line adventure from last week. And, you know, First Light outfitted me to the T. I wore a three-part layering system, which I will do a full segment on in an upcoming episode. But all you need to know is that it's the best hunting gear I've ever worn. Hands down. First Light, go farther, stay longer. All right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, take a listen to our interview with Pope and Young Club president, our old buddy, Jim Willems. Well, Jim, it's certainly nice to have you back on the show, man. Thanks, Cable. It's good to be here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So it's nice to, to finally see you out here at DSC and uh, be able to talk in person instead of over the phone. Before we get into uh, what's going on with the Pope and Young Club, why don't you tell us how your hunting season was? Well, I, I, I had an above-average year. I did six bow hunts last year. Um, from January through uh, the end of November and shot five nice animals out of six hunts. So I started off with a mule deer in January, um, close to home in New Mexico. And then I went on an elk hunt in Colorado, uh, which wasn't a very good elk hunt. And I didn't get one. Uh-huh. Uh, it was uh, over the counter unit, which is, which can be tough, but my brother didn't draw any good tags and, and he wanted to go elk hunting. So we did it. And you know, it's a four-pointer better area, mm-hmm. and over a nine-day hunt, I saw four legal bulls. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm you not really... guys pack in yourselves? We did, yeah. Yeah, it, it was all do-it-yourself, and, uh-huh. and backpack, and just moving around, and, you know, most of it you could hunt from the camper. You you were going in about two to three miles most of the time, so right. it, it wasn't too bad a hunt. Uh-huh. Um, but just... The trophy quality wasn't there, and I do enough hunting. I'd I'd rather shoot something bigger, and, and just sure. hoping to find my brother a bull because he hadn't shot a bull for a while. I'm right there uh, with you on uh, that. But, I, uh, but yeah, yeah. I, well, just to put it in perspective, 
I, w I wouldn't shoot a cow. And that's just because I can shoot whitetail and all these other exotics. And, you know, I know how you feel about high fence, but I'll go shoot an axis deer in high fence any day of the week. Um, but I'm not packing out a cow elk eight miles if I've, if I've, you know, hiked it. I just don't need the meat that bad. So yeah. I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, and I, I'm the same way. And yeah. I, I hardly ever shoot a, a doe. I hunt whitetails a lot, and I hardly ever shoot a doe because I I don't need it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't want to be tracking a doe when a when I should be in a tree stand hunting bucks. Yeah. Although, you know, I really like elk, and, and there's been oh, years when good. I would have been glad <laughs> to shoot a cow, uh, but it just doesn't work out sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so then I had a, a pretty good elk hunt in New Mexico. I, I drew my first choice. I live in New Mexico, so statistically I should draw a bow tag about every three or four years. Uh -huh. And I've been pretty lucky at getting, getting more tags often than that, but uh, it, it's usually second or third choice and sometimes a second or third tier hunt. And this year I drew my first choice. I, I was able to hunt the Gila during the second oh, bow hunt, man. and I just had an awesome hunt. I hunted totally by myself. No, none of my friends applied with me. We just couldn't work it out, and it was a 10-day hunt, and, and I, I had 15 encounters with big bulls over you know, basically nine days, Wow! and, and those things are so lucky. Um, the Gila is a legendary place. Yeah, and... and you know, we're we're talking, you know, three forty, three fifty class bulls. Oh. There's three different bulls that I was chasing around and, and and one of them was just a dinosaur. He was really abnormal and one side of his rack looked like a moose antler and the other side looked like a caribou antler and I had him within range three or four times and I just could not get a shot. <laughs> the cows were always in the way or the wind changed or just constantly something's wrong. You know? Yeah. And yeah. you you'd think after fifteen times eventually the luck <laughs> would change but but it didn't, and then, you know, the last couple of days I was determined that, you know, anything walks by, I'm going to shoot it because I want elk. I haven't killed an elk for a couple of years, and sure. I want elk meat. And, and a, a nice six-point, yeah, a nice six-point record book bull comes by at 26 yards. Didn't know I was there while I was trying to sneak up on that big dinosaur, and, and uh, 26 yards wide open, that was too hard to resist. So, right. so I shot a nice bull. Awesome. And, and then I hunt Kansas every year. I have a lifetime license in Kansas, and then I have a place to hunt in Nebraska. So the month of November, I have the opportunity to shoot three bucks, two bucks in Nebraska and one in Kansas. And, and I had a really good year, and I filled all three tags. So, awesome. Yeah, that was, yeah, it was a good year. Yeah, you can't beat yeah. that. Yeah, you know, um, you probably remember I love New Mexico. It's like after Texas, it's probably my favorite state. It's certainly yeah. my favorite state to hunt. I've spent – more time in New Mexico than any other state in various units. And uh, going back to your, your second or third choice, I, I put in for archery elk in, in the unit that I'm the most familiar with. It's the only uh, bull I've killed with a bow and arrow was in that unit, and I just I love that that place. Is like I might have my ashes scattered there. Somewhere. Oh, I understand. Yeah. But uh, I, I drew muzzleloader mule deer, which was okay, okay. you know, and uh, not a great, certainly not a trophy unit for mule deer. Right. And it, it was the last week of September. We chose to camp at 11,000 feet. And uh, we had never had, my, backing up just a second, my, my dad and his buddies have been backpacking in New Mexico for 30 years. That's kind of where how I fell into it. When I okay. turned 21, they said, okay, you're 21. You can be a part of this. It was a church group I grew up in, Okay, and, uh, all those guys. So I've been going there 15 years, and they don't hunt. They're fishermen. For the most part and just like being outdoors so i started going on a fishing and i was like God, there's a lot of grouse around here so i started buying a grouse tag and then evolved into now where it's just i put in for elk and if they happen to be going where i'm going yeah. then i'll see them but yeah but uh 
But yeah, we had a whiteout last week of September up there. I'm telling you, I've never, never been so cold in my life. Really? Yes. It, wow. And and you got there was there was five of us up there, and there was twelve more coming the next day. Yeah. Only three of us were hunting, uh, and we had to use a satellite phone and tell them not to come. Yeah. I mean, sixty-year-old guys. They're not. Yeah. No, I don't know how old George is, but uh, I'm not there of, yet. Some of these guys <laughs> are uh, not in the best shape. Right. They ride right. horses up, and, and it was just like. And the other ones are kind of casual. Not they don't hunt. They just like this is their one time a year where they're really exposed to nature and right. city guys. Yeah, and this is like this is just going to be miserable for well, them. Well, and and you know it could be life threatening if oh, they're yeah. not prepared yeah. for it. So we we got up there and immediately, like literally within hours, we called the the packing outfitter and said, "When can you come back eight miles and get us?" Yeah. And she's like, "I'll be there on Saturday, which yeah. is two days." Yeah. So I had a, one full day to hunt. I dropped down about a thousand feet, got out of the snow, and I had the most amazing encounter with an elk, yeah. a bull, and and just like fifteen cows, thirty yards from them, just wishing that I had a archery tag. Oh wow! Yeah. Uh, so shot a mule deer on the way out the next day. Well, it was that's, like that's last good. meadow before we're to the truck. There he was. Yeah. I shot him. Yeah, it was it was great. But man, I love New Mexico. So yeah, yeah, a lot, awesome. a lot of opportunity there. It's hard to it's hard to live there and not be able to draw tags, but. Uh, there are easier places to get tags, so you can get a deer tag most years yeah. if you're willing to hunt some of the southern units. Uh, elk, elk is tough. Uh, even some of the less popular units, you're still less than fifty-fifty odds of drawing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's that's better than a lot of places. Sure, sure. And, and, and a tip for for anyone that's listening: if you want to hunt New Mexico as an out-of-stater, and you might not want me to say this, but you can increase your odds by hiring. Uh, an outfitter you can't even exactly. if they just even if they do a drop camp they i think legally they have to spend two days with you they can yeah. drop you and pick you up and uh you know you can right increase right. your drawings so yeah and and even if you don't do that and you like to hunt you know just apply for the tag if you get a one out of ten years it's still it can be a fabulous hunt oh, uh, this was the first year i applied for a bighorn in new mexico okay <laughs> well, what yeah. are my odds there uh, yeah <laughs> pretty there's like two tags for for yeah. uh, for all the for the non-residents, yeah, yeah. so yeah. it's about the same in Texas. We have like two desert bighorn right. tags. So, uh, but if you don't draw, you give your, you get your money back. That's true. That yeah. that is true. And um, if you do draw, it's a it's still oh, a bargain, man. even though it's three thousand dollars. That's way better than spending forty thousand dollars and going to Canada. I'll never in my life probably be able to do that. Yeah, but I, the, the three thousand dollar option. Yeah, with the, with the refund. Yeah, it's, uh, but uh, well, cool. So you had a great season. Um, now what are you shooting a compound bow or are you just... No, I sh- I shoot a takedown recurve bow. Okay. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Right on. And how long have you been using that um, you know, dedicated since 1983? Uh-huh. I, I started bow Probably hunting about, yeah. in, in 1979. Um, tell you how old I was. I was 17 years old. Mm-hmm. And uh and that was really when the compound bow was taking off and and you know, almost everybody was shooting a compound. Even the a lot of the hardcore recurve shooters had switched over just to try it. Mm. And and you couldn't buy a lot of recurve or longbows. They're, they were they were available. Bear archery's always made them, but you know, not not like today. You didn't have the options, and and I didn't have the the education to understand it. So you go out and buy a compound bow and put it together and shoot. And so I did that for four years, and. Uh, uh, combination of of the whitetail hunting is almost always a close enough shot where you can shoot a traditional bow 
and and this was before rangefinder and I, I really had trouble judging the range out in the mountains when I was hunting elk oh and and then I uh, still do yeah <laughs> well, I understand but now you can push a button and get it if you have the time uh, but then uh, one of my one of my old heroes an old varmint hunter um, I found out that that well I always knew he was a, he'd been a bow hunter years ago but uh, he he was a bow hunter in Kansas when they first opened the season in the mid '60s, and he killed two bucks in two years, and one of them was a real trophy. Oh. And found out that he was comfortable shooting to 40 yards with a recurve bow. And I, I said, No, you can't do that. <laughs> what am I doing wrong? <laughs> you can't do that. So I, you know, I decided, well, if he can do it, I can do it, and and just stuck to it. And you know, it, it's it, traditional archery is is hard. There are people that can pick it up and shoot really well fairly quickly. Yeah. Uh, but to to shoot really well in a hunting situation is is tough. There's so much mental anxiety that can get to you if you let it, and and it takes. It, I hate to say it, but it takes years sometimes to be good enough in hunting situations. Yeah. Uh, because I I struggled. I I went through some bad years, but I I hunted so much that eventually I would get something, mm-hmm. and and fortunately I'd either miss or I'd make a good shot. Uh, if I could hold my composure, it'd be a good shot. And if I'd get buck fever really bad, I just I just airball it. Uh, but, but I still get buck fever with the rifle. Well, I mean, and, I just, and and I do too. But yeah. I can I can mentally get myself through it. Sure, sure. Uh, about ninety percent of the when time. When the animal first walks out is when I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm about lose my ass. I'm yeah. just like, oh my god. Yeah. And it can be. It doesn't even have to be like the a huge buck. But it's just if like, you decide you're going to shoot it, that's all that matters. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So okay, so you have been shooting a recurve for a long time, which I I, I knew that, um, and that's something that is uh, is admirable because your odds are like you know you've got to get closer to the animal. Right. You you're comfortable shooting out to forty. Yes, I am. Uh huh. Okay. It, it depends on the animal. That's pushing it for an elk. Uh-huh. Uh But you know, like uh, hunt Wyoming or New Mexico, you hunt open country antelope. And, you know, if they're a little farther, they're less likely to jump the string. And I've, I've shot some at the 40-yard range. Uh-huh. Um, but it's, it's a different animal. They are easier to kill. It's, it's not like hitting an elk. You, yeah. Elk can be hard to kill if you hit them just right. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. they're still hard to find sometimes. But, yeah. So it depends on the animal. But, yeah, I, I'll shoot the 40. Right on. Well, Jim, I do want to take a quick break and come back and get into a couple Texas bucks that recently – caused the Pope and Young Club and Boone and Crockett Club to come to a gentleman's agreement on scoring. It's a fascinating story. Are you cool to stick around for another segment? Oh, yeah. You know me. I can talk forever. (laughs) Awesome. And that segment was brought to you by Scent Blaster. If you use any kind of scent in your hunting setup, you need to have a Scent Blaster in your pack. It's a better mousetrap. It gets more scent out, and it gets it out for a longer period of time. Once you hang a wick in a tree, it is immediately drying out. That's not the case with Scent Blaster. And it doesn't matter whether you're hunting deer, hogs, or predators. It simply brings animals in. All you have to do is pick the right scent, put it in the Scent Blaster, and you can find yours at ScentBlaster.net. We'll be right back with more from Pope and Young Club President Jim Willems right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Cause the wall's been broken, the chains ain't holding, the line's been drawn in the sand. Do you have a hog problem at your ranch or deer lease? We have the solution, the System Hog Trap. 
comes in two sizes, 17-foot and 30-foot diameter traps. After you trap the hogs, take the top section off the trap and use it for another feeder site to keep the hogs away from the feeder. The system is both a trap and a deer food plot fence. That way you don't waste your money on just a hog trap. Call 940-391-3669 or visit www.goinfencing.com. That's goinfencing.com. Cable Smith here for Deerview Windows. As a whitetail hunter, nothing is more frustrating than poor visibility in a deer blind. It can flat ruin a hunt. At Deerview Window Company, they manufacture windows solely for the use in deer stand and deer blinds. All of their windows and doors can be custom made to fit your specific openings. Or you can select from standard sizes, from hinged windows to sliding windows and everything in between. Visit DeerviewWindows.com to determine which style window is best for your deer blind. Plus, you'll get a free quote. Deerview Windows, where visibility matters. I'm Dave Spies from Gunnet on Sportsman's Channel, and you're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Well, I ride stagecoach for Rambler To die, oh, to die beneath the western sky Boomtown, little dirty river boys bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show powered by Dallas Safari Club, Cable Smith riding shotgun with you. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks to Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Players as well, our longtime presenting sponsors. Thanks to you guys for being here today. It is a treat to be here week in and week out, talking all things outdoors. Thank you, thank you, thank you for stopping by, whether you are tuned in on the radio or via the podcast. I am just glad that you're here. Um, we are visiting with our good friend Jim Willems, lifelong bow hunter, uh, traditional arch. I mean, the guy uses a stick and string. How much more hardcore can you get? Uh, he is a total bad mother. And he's also the president of the Pope and Young Club, deservedly so. Uh, we're talking all things archery with Jim this morning. But before we pick it back up with our conversation we taped at uh, Dallas Safari Club 2018, this segment of the show is proudly brought to you by Dallas Safari Club, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. If you want to get plugged in with a great group of people who are passionate about hunters' rights, hunter education, and conservation, then check us out at biggame.org. Well, uh, before the break, Jim, I kind of I pigeonholed you a little bit, and I said, well, I know how you feel about high fences, or I know how the club feels about high fences. And that probably was a little unfair, because personally, I don't know if you've ever hunted behind a high fence. I know none of those hunts you talked about from the past year or any kind of high fence hunt, but you know we're here at Dallas Safari Club, and you just have to look around, and there's probably a fourth of the exhibitors here offer some kind of high fence hunting opportunity. So uh, I figured we'd get your take on it because I honestly don't know. You know I have uh, uh, when I first started bow hunting, probably well for two years I I went to Texas and I hunted the uh, uh, mouflon sheep and Spanish goat or Catalina goat, whatever they were. Um, you don't really think about it. It's you're just going to kill stuff when you're, especially when you're 18 years old with a bow. Oh, yeah. You just want to kill stuff, and and you know it's I don't don't necessarily really care about high fence other than for for the record book. Uh, That's it's excluded. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, it should be. Yeah. It absolutely should be. Yeah, and and you know I can understand people say, well, it's a 40,000 acre high fence. It's just as fair as anything else and and yeah you're probably right yeah but how do we determine what's big enough yeah so uh, I don't, to make I, it easy yeah. we just say no high fence and i i 100 agree with that 
And I'll tell you, I have killed a 219-inch uh, whitetail on a high fence. Drop time, beautiful buck. Tip, it's got a typical rack with drop time. It's hell of a buck. Doesn't mean as much to me as the 142 I killed on my lease with my bow. Yeah, it just it can't because it's not the same thing. No, no. Yeah. Um, that being said, last year I hunted uh, South Africa, 30,000 acre preserve, and yeah. those animals they didn't even know there was a fence there. Yeah, so, exactly. But yeah. but but I agree. If where do you draw the line? Easiest way is just not draw one. Yeah. So and and I've hunted South Africa too. Uh, even as I got older, uh, you know, it's it's more affordable for one because they they have they can keep other people and, and other animals from killing their animals mm -hmm. and gives you more opportunity, which makes it cheaper. And, and if it wasn't for high fence South Africa, a lot of people would not be able to go to Africa. Oh, now. I would, yeah. And, and it's it's just such a great adventure. You know, I, I, I've done been there, done that, and kind of grown out of that. My last few hunts in Africa, I wanted to try to make it more wild Africa. Sure. And uh, so I've done that, but... Did you, you go not, to Tanzania or Namibia? I, I did or? Mozambique, uh -huh. and and then I did Zimbabwe in in mm. more of the national forest setting. Yeah. So, Mozambique was was you fly in on a dirt airstrip, and then you're <laughs> you're in the in the floodplain in the swamp, the <laughs> and yeah, it it was an adventure. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, one cool thing, and I my expectations were far. They, South Africa exceeded my expectations as far as the terrain. I thought it was just be flat just grassland like you see on nat geo just savannas with big herds of wildebeest running around lots of different terrain kind of like west texas and oh, exactly texas hill country kind of yeah. mixed together for three days we left the game preserve and went to a hundred and forty thousand acre uh, free range operation and that's where we hunted kudu and it was so cool to get to hunt kudu in the mountains you know six thousand feet peaks yeah but it was a lot of time behind the glass it was just like elk hunting yeah and uh, and that was like i didn't expect that yeah and i was like oh this kudu hunting is is legit it, 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 that's a lot of fun <laughs> yeah. yeah and they're they're the ghost of africa they they can just disappear yeah oh there's no doubt about that um well let's talk about some stuff that that's uh, going on with the pope and young club uh first of all Tell us again when the club was founded. The club was founded in 1961. Uh -huh. So, you know, we had our 50th anniversary. For starters, we have our convention every other year. Right. Uh, on the odd years. And it's based around our record recording period. We, we keep the records for the animals. And, you know, recognizing the records every year is just too much. So we do it every other year. Boone and Crockett does it every three years. Uh -huh. uh, so we have a two-year recording period, and then we have a big convention based around giving the awards to the biggest animals and awarding the world records. And, and uh, you know, theoretically, we want to give an award for the top three of each species. But until we, we get it to panel measure and we actually critique it and find out exactly how big it is, some of them are close enough. Sometimes we have to invite five animals to figure out what the top three sure. are. So we give we give awards to the top three and an honor honorable mention to anything that that doesn't quite make it. So that's our, our every other year event, um, and and we just you know we had uh, the convention in St. Louis this last April, hmm. and we typically have it around the middle of April, and the next one's going to be in Omaha in uh, 2019, um, and the same thing. We'll invite all the animals and and we sh we showcase the animals. We have a lot of uh, you know full body mounts. Uh, everything from bison to brown bear to caribou and 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 then some of them are just the racks you know kind of a european sure, mount and sure. and of course the the bears we've measured the skulls so there's a lot of bear skulls but people still bring the mounts if we can 
we can get it done. Yeah. So, so it's it's pretty cool. We have about a hundred animals on display, and every one of them's in the top five of of that scoring period. Yeah. So they're they're big animals. Texas has sent a couple whitetail bucks in recent years. Uh, had the uh, Taylor buck. Right. I don't, and I know I'm pretty sure he allowed his to be scored. I don't remember if AJ Downs let you guys score his buck or not. We but. did score AJ's, and and that's that's an interesting story. AJ's buck is uh, it was invited to our panel in Dallas in uh, 2013. Uh-huh. Our convention was here, and and you know we, in order to be make sure we're consistent, we have a panel of measures that measure it because one guy can be different from the other guy, even though it is semi scientific method. Uh, there's judgment calls, and and a, a non-typical deer is the worst. Right. <laughs> you, you you have to figure out where the point starts. Sure. Whether it's typical, non-typical, all of that. Well, like a nice symmetrical eight point. <laughs> yeah. And and so the AJ Buck come in, and uh, Pope and Young measured it at our panel, and and we gave it a score, and and uh, gave it an award, and at that time we we didn't have an agreement with Boone and Crockett. They took it to their panel as well. And with it being a really weird, non-typical buck, yeah. their score was different. So here we have uh, the same exact scoring system, and we have two different scores. Yeah. And and, and it it created would, a stir. It in created Texas. a stir. Like, it certainly did. Is AJ's or the Taylor buck bigger? Yeah. Yeah. And and which score is right? Is it Boone and Crockett or Pope and Young? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's killed with a bow, so you'd think Pope and Young, but it's Boone and Crockett scoring system. So. <laughs> So when I became president and I heard about that, I kind of made it a mission to try to resolve that. Uh-huh. And and we worked it out. And then I, I had a meeting with Richard Hale, the uh, uh, records chairman at Boone and Crockett, and, and he wanted to resolve it. And so it, it took a while to get it all worked out. We we decided, okay, we're, we're going to have, uh, we're going to put together a panel and we're going to have two Boone and Crockett measures and two Pope and Young measures. And we're just going to sit down and do it. And whatever it is, it is. Mm-hmm. And and so that sounds like a that good took resolution. A while. Yeah, yeah. Ex- absolutely. So that took a while, and and it's such an unusual animal. They they took it up to Kansas because uh, Richard Hale lives in Kansas, and and you know basically they did it while everybody was whitetail hunting in Kansas. So there was a <laughs> bunch of guys there to do it, and uh, it it turned out being even bigger than the the highest of the two scores was before. That's, right. That's how hard it is. On I'm, a, on I'm sure AJ whitetail. was like, "Oh hell yeah, yeah, yeah exactly." <laughs> yeah. So so yeah so so we resolved that. Um, since then, it, we we've came to an under we have a memorandum of understanding, and we've really tried to bring the two clubs together so that that doesn't happen again, and and try to make sure that everything we do is identical, and and we've we've fixed every difference that the two clubs have that we possibly can. And and one thing for that we've done to, to keep this from happening again is if it, if if Pope and Young's panel is first and we measure an animal, and it's invited to Boone and Crockett's as well, they they won't even measure it, mm-hmm. and vice versa. Our our current world record Shearus Moose had been measured at at Boone and Crockett's panel, um, last year ago last summer, and so when it shows up at our panel, we didn't even measure it. We just accepted that. So so we're not going to have those problems yeah, anymore. That's awesome. Very cool. We we do have two differences that I don't think we'll ever reconcile, and and one is we accept velvet entries, and they just won't. Yeah. Um. And and the other one is there's a difference on how we measure antelope, and and we changed uh, yeah, from I, their I did system. Not know this. Yeah. This is yeah. We changed from our system, and it's all based around the fact that we our minimums are lower, and and 
the way it works, every horned animal, well, every animal gets four circumferences, even antlered animals. But a horned animal, the circumference is really important. Mm. Mass is more important on a horned animal than, than antlers. Um, a smaller antelope will tend to fork higher uh, on the on the horn than a bigger antelope. So we were getting in some of the smaller antelope, and the, the third circumference would be taken around where the prong was. But even if it comes out on the prong, you have to take it above. Boone and Crockett never did that because the bigger antelope prong low enough that it's never an issue. Oh, okay. And, but, you know, we've been doing it for 30 years like that, and they've been doing it their way for 80 years. Sure. And it's too late to change it. So yeah. there's a reason we do it, and it's, it's because we don't want to give too much credit to the smaller animal, animals. Sure. But sure. that's our differences, and, and I don't know if we'll ever get those resolved. Yeah, probably not, but that's okay. We've moved past some of the other stuff. Yeah, which, we you have. Know, that's great. Um, here's an interesting thing, and, and I've talked to some recent guests about it, uh, Shane Mahoney uh, being one of them, Ivan Carter as well. The term trophy hunter I used to embrace it. I I am a trophy hunter. I don't, you know. I just told you I won't shoot a cow uh, on an elk hunt if I don't. I don't want to pack it out eight miles. Right. The meat is a trophy in and of itself. It is. Uh, but you know, I like a full freezer. I like nice racks on my wall. I like to look at them. I like to remember that hunt by looking at that. I know every animal that's on my wall. I know who was there, where I was, probably what the weather was like. Uh, what time of year it was. I mean, I never forget these things. And those animals remind me of those memories and those those moments in time that kind of d- define me as a person. But here we are, 2018, and whether it's social media, I think it is a lot, a lot uh, has a lot to do with social media, but the term trophy hunter now has this negative connotation in our society. And, and I was just going to ask you, because... Here you are. You're president of a club that keeps trophies. I mean, you, right. we chronicle the trophies. Right. And uh, we wanted to get your take on that term and, and if we should move away from it or just say, screw it, we're, that's what we are, and that's, that's what we're going to call ourselves. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm, I'm going to get in political mode here. And, and my opinion is um, using trophy hunter, hunter as a, a negative connotation is dishonest. Yes. And that's what the left does. They, they, they have to lie about their opponents to gain support Mm -hmm. and and they make people believe that a trophy hunter just shoots it for the horns and doesn't care about anything else well you know we're all we're all trophy hunters it doesn't matter if you shoot a pheasant or a quail or a cow elk or a a 400 inch elk you want to shoot a drake canvas back or a hen yeah exactly exactly every the meat is a trophy everything about it is a trophy but they've it's the same thing as assault rifle Mm mm-hmm they talk about assault rifle bans. Well, a, a real assault rifle has been banned forever. Right. It's, it has the capability of shooting fully automatic. That's an assault rifle. Right. But they changed the name dishonestly because it sounds worse. Mm. And they've gotten away with it. And it, at some point, we just have to say, no, that's not right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, can't, you can't lie about this stuff to gain support. And, and it's hard for us because we don't have the media on our side. We don't, they, they want controversy and they like the lies and uh, but but we own the truth. We we own the science, uh, conservation-wise. Everything we do is justified, and and with the exception of of course illegal activity. Uh, but but that's yeah. Poachers that, aren't are not. There's hunters, nothing to do about though. that. They're poachers. Yeah, it's that's that's no different than any other legal illegal yeah. activity. But it, it, we know the truth and we own the truth, 
and and we need to stand behind the truth and correct correct it every time we can. Mm -hmm. So I hate to give in to dishonesty. So I'm going to keep saying I'm a trophy hunter and I'm proud to do it. I eat everything I kill and that's all I eat. Um, Feed my family with it. uh, Exactly. And and uh, who are you to tell me what I have to eat? And and that's that's where we're at today. We have honestly we have a very small group of people who are offended by hunting. They're outside um, trying to protest right now. Good for them. Good for them. <laughs> and you know, if they're honest about it, fine. But they can't be honest about it. No. They have to lie about it. And you know, even even if you don't eat meat, if every vegan out there, you either kill animals or you pay somebody to do it. Hundreds of billions of animals are killed every year in the process of agriculture. Just so you can get cheap soy, corn, lettuce, nuts, whatever, um, animals are killed during that process. And and if you eat that product, you're responsible for it. Mm-hmm. So you, you're opposed to killing animals and eating them. So, okay, you're, you're responsible for one less animal being killed. But the other hundreds of billions are on you just like they're on me. And... And, you know, I kill animals that eat your soybeans, so the price stays low, and so the farmer can make a living off of it. Oh, and, God. You uh, know how we deal with hogs around here. Yeah. and, and find so, a helicopter and get to whacking them. So, so rather than being on your high horse and talking about you're, you're against killing, you know, that's, that's, say, that's like saying you're against the flu. Right. You know, just, just because you're against something doesn't mean you're, you don't get it and, it's, and you're not responsible for it. Right. Uh, right. So, so I'm all about. The, we have to point out the dishonesty in all of this. Yeah, well, that, that's very well said, and uh, and and interesting, and, and and so I kind of just at that crossroads of personally, well, where do we go? What what do we do? And and I feel I feel more inclined to just say, yeah, I'm I'm just going to keep. I'm not going to not do what I've always done, and I've always said I'm a trophy hunter, and yeah, it is what it is. Call they can call me whatever they want. I know what conservation is. I know that taking the mature male, but yeah, he might happen to have the biggest horns, but he's old, yeah, and that's conservation, yeah, you know. So, um, yeah. And one of the, one of the problems we have is is we have the European mindset of you can't kill animals. Well, who goes to Europe to look at wild animals? That their mindset has decimated the populations. Uh, all you have to do is is end hunting and pretty soon all the animals go away well that doesn't make any sense you're not killing the animals how does that work well it's it it happens in africa blatantly every day and it's it's a financial incentive um you know in in europe the the wild animals belong to the crown and and me and you if we lived there we wouldn't be able to hunt them so there's no reason for us to put up with them and if we have a farm and and there's animals out eating our potatoes or whatever and we can't hunt them because we're not royalty. Um, well, we just get rid of them. Shoot, we, shovel, you know, shut up. My my term is we politely ask them to leave. <laughs> <laughs> and you know that's how I am with with raccoons around the house and skunks and yeah. things like that. You, you know, people don't leave their doors open and let rats and pigeons <laughs> come live in the house. That's that's the same thing, only on a larger scale. And and just because you don't like it or it hurts your feelings doesn't mean that reality isn't going to win out yeah common sense reality is is what rules the day all the time and they just can't get that all right well jim we do need to take a quick break i know you're cool to stick around for one more segment though because we've got to get into your take on whether these people really love animals i'm talking about the antis 
Or is it about something else, like controlling human behavior? Uh, That segment, by the way, brought to you by All Seasons Feeders and Blinds. Check out the El Chingon. It is the Taj Mahal of hunting blinds. I've got one at my dear lease. It's got cup holders. It's carpeted to keep it quiet in case you've got your kids up there with you. (laughs) And it's roomy enough for three people to sit in there comfortably. Check out the Big Chingon at allseasonsfeeders.com. We'll be right back with more from Pope and Young Club President Jim Willems right here on the Lone Star Outdoors Show. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of Dallas and Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, and now McKinney. Visit BobcatofDallas.com or call 469-586-0000. Hey, y'all. Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a -a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Well, I pulled in, she climbed up, $80 worth of diesel and a pickup truck, and we're heading to J&D's liquor store before they close. Well, I pulled out. Cable Smith, welcoming everybody back to the Lone Star Outdoors show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. Nice Lone Star beer and Hoff Power Players as well. That's Backroads driving tonight from Brian Lumley. Uh, I've been getting a lot of questions about our weekly playlist as far as folks wanting to know um, what songs we're playing. You can find that on our website, LoneStarOutdoorsShow.com. I've got the uh, weekly playlist up there to help you find something if you're not familiar with it. So anyway, uh, there's a resource there. Well, we're all set to uh, continue our discussion with Pope and Young Club President Jim Willems on all things archery. And actually, uh, we've kind of gotten away from that here over the last segment and have uh, really focused more on what we need to be doing as hunters to portray ourselves in a better light. And whether or not the term trophy hunter is something we should embrace or, or shy away from. Uh, it's something that I've gotten into a lot here over the last couple months because I think it is so important. And everyone has their own opinion on that matter. I'm somewhere in the middle, a longtime advocate of saying, yeah, I'm a trophy hunter. But maybe that's not working. So I haven't officially said one way or the other, <laughs> but... I'll tell you, I do love a big rack. Name the species, I don't care. I like a nice set of horns or antlers. And so if that means I'm a trophy hunter, which by all accounts it does, then I guess uh, it's fair to call me a trophy hunter. So I think all of us have a little trophy hunter in us anyway. And if you say that, yeah, I'd rather shoot a four-point over a ten-point or I'd rather catch a three-pound bass over a ten-pound bass, 
then I don't really think you're being honest with yourself because uh, that is not our nature as human beings. Uh, anyway, this segment of the show is proudly brought to you by Horizon Firearms. When I do have that trophy in my sights, you know I'm looking down the barrel of my Horizon Firearms 7 mag. It is a tack driver, specced out the way that I wanted it, and Horizon Firearms will customize your dream rifle any way you want it as well. You can find them at horizonfirearms.com. So let's jump back into it with Pope and Young Club President Jim Willems. Uh, certainly an interesting conversation, and I'm just going to roll it from where we left off at the end of the last segment. I'm going to go back to one thing you said, and, and that was that it's a, we have a small faction of people. Thank God it is. Yes. Because the middle-of-the-road America that doesn't hunt, but maybe they come over and watch the Cowboy game at my house, and they eat venison, and they like it, and they're cool with it, those are the people we just can't afford to have go to the other side. we got to yeah, keep exactly. them in the middle. and exactly. they just as long as we represent our ourselves in a positive light, uh, I don't see why they would switch. Yeah. So. And, and you know, it was, what was it, two years ago or so, they, they did a nationwide study that showed that 87% of Americans approved of sport hunting as long as the meat was used. Mm -hmm. And and that, that was so unacceptable to the other side that they had to fabricate a crisis. And, and that crisis came by the name of Cecil. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Ivan Carter called it the 9-11 of hunting. Yeah, and and I I knew within hours when that came up that oh, that's not right. That's they're lying. Mm -hmm. A lot of that is a lie, and it turned out that the the only truth was a lion was killed. Every yeah. other part of that story was manufactured. Yeah, you know, and they and it had to be hyperbolized to make it as bad as possible. And and by you know they said it was killed with a crossbow and it was killed with a regular bow, which sounds worse. You know, they said they drug around a carcass to lure it out of the park. And no, he was already out of the park, and it was just a lion hunt. Um, they said they bought, buried the collar. No, they took it off and hung it in a tree because they knew somebody would find it. It's yeah. a collar. They, they, had, they had to lie and create a crisis because they were losing. Yeah, yeah, and, and they did. <laughs> they did, and they gained a lot of ground with it. Yeah, I, I mean, a ton, and to the point where it's it's caused us to have to be more aggressive i think I, I i agree we should have been aggressive to begin with Sorry, yeah we we got we kind of let them take the game to us and we're on the defensive for well just say the advent of social media this right. is the last 10 15 years right that happens and it's like bam okay well now we got to have this we hunt for life campaign great campaign by the dsc foundation and i and i think people have to kill them with facts that's, that's the only way we're ever going to win exactly we own the truth so we just have to keep yeah. telling the truth and, and when they lie about it we just have to be all over it yeah well so how can people get plugged in with the pope and young club well um the easy way today's way is you get on the website and you check us out and and you can do anywhere anything from join the club to buy a record book um you know we were founded on uh, we had really one purpose and, and the purpose was to create opportunities for bow hunters and the best way to do that at the time you know almost 60 years ago was to create a record book to show how successful we could be because we were when when the Pope and Young Club was founded very few states had archery only hunting seasons mm -hmm. and so you have to show Chronicle how successful you can be to get the, the wildlife agencies to say okay they're this creates opportunity for more people. And, yeah, they actually killed some stuff. And, and so that's the reason for the record book. And, and it's, it's gone beyond that because it works so well. We have hunting, bow hunting seasons in every state. 
uh, special season, special special time, special tags, all of that. Um, and and now it's got to the point where we just need to maintain that. Yeah. That that's what we're about now. And, and our our mission is to uh, ensure the future of bow hunting by promoting and and protecting its heritage and values. And the first part of that is ensure the future of bow hunting. Mm-hmm. And you know if we're losing seasons and we're we're losing opportunities, we're not preserving. So so that's really what we're all about. We still maintain our records to show what we do and how we do it. And and you know wildlife agencies use those records to keep an eye on the quality of the herd. Sure. And and the garbage about trophy hunting um, is is bad for the herd overall is just ridiculous because our world records go up every two years. We have five or six new world records. Animals get bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. And they only get bigger because they're more healthy. When and when they're not hunted, they I don't if you've kept up with the Tanzania lion thing. I mean, they've lost all their lions because of the really stupid litigation by the u.s fish and wildlife service exactly. let's ban importing these lines well okay now you've caused uh farmers and poachers over there there was a value on these lines now there isn't one and i understand if i've got cattle and i'm joe blow from uh, tanzania i have nothing i have a few cows and they i lose one to a lion i'm gonna try to poison every lion I gotta feed my family. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and and the whole premise of, of us forcing the Africans how to manage their wildlife is just flat racist. It's, it's the, the the, the anti hunters in the United States feel like the the poor Africans aren't smart enough to do it themselves. Yeah. Uh, but but the real reality is is you know we're not smart enough to do it for them because sure. we're we're up in our glass palaces on our velvet thrones in New York or L A or San Francisco or even Dallas. Um, don't have a clue what's going on over there, but just because it hurts our feelings that somebody wants to hunt a lion, um, we're going to stop it. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's it never works. It's just like the the mountain lions in California. They made it illegal to to hunt hunt mountain lions in California in 1990, and just about every year since then, more mountain lions have been killed by government agents than ever were with paid by taxpayer paid dollars. by taxpayer dollars than ever were by hunters. Yeah. So it makes you feel better, but it's it's totally useless. Do you yes. think the lion cares how he gets what killed? What we need, here's, here's one way that we could get people to understand it. They pile up all the lions that they've killed over a year, and we take a picture of it. Say, here, yeah. this is what you've done. Yeah. Are you, do you feel good about this pile of lions that are the blood's on your hands because you had a sustainable use commodity in these lions, and the resource is now gone? But, but you know what? They don't care about the lion. They care about controlling human behavior. Mm. It's never about the animal. Animal rights activists aren't concerned with animal rights. It's all about controlling human behavior. Like I keep saying, it hurts their feelings that we get joy out of killing an animal, so that has to be stopped. If they really cared about animal rights, why do they support reintroduction of wolves? You know, one one wolf needs to kill 50 to 100 animals oh God, a year Jim. to survive. I saw this thing when I was in Colorado mountain lion hunting. My outfitter, he walked into the kitchen. We were having coffee before we went out. And he slams the newspaper down and it says, Colorado needs wolves and wolves need Colorado. Yeah. And it was by the Sierra Club. Yeah. And now they're trying to reintroduce wolves into Colorado. We have, I mean, Idaho Fish and Game, I think, has a booth right over there. They can tell you. Yeah. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Wolves yeah. screw it up. Yeah, but but it's it's not about the wolf. It's about hunters. Mm-hmm. It, it's 
it's about controlling human behavior. Yeah. Because like like I was saying, a wolf needs to kill 50 to 100 animals a year to survive. You and I can survive on one if right. it's an elk. Our whole family can survive on one elk. A pack of wolves need to kill an animal, two animals a week to right. survive. Right. And and so they're a, good at it. And an 80 pound wolf needs to kill. Let's just worst case, they need to kill 100 animals a year to survive. And a whole family of humans can survive on that. Yeah. So, so you're going from a, a hunter killing one animal to a wolf killing 50, and you're telling me you're for animal rights? And then I'll say, well, that's just wolves being wolves. Yeah, but you're manipulating the system to get more wolves, so there's more suffering. And, and oh, and yeah, less hunting. wolves don't just kill elk. They eat them to death. They harass them hour after hour until they bring them down, and, and they can't kill them, go to the throat and the head and kill them because that's a dangerous oh, part. Oh, Jim, that's just nature. That's you just know, nature. I understand that. <laughs> no, I understand just, that's, that. their, that's their argument. But don't tell me you're for animal right. rights and right. support that. No, you're yeah. not. You're for controlling human behavior. Right. That's what it's all about. Well, I, I was going to say we were almost done, but then one thing popped into my mind that I needed to ask you about, and that is because uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife did some studies recently with the uh, airbow, which to me is a gun that shoots a spear. Sure. It's not a, it has nothing to do with archery. It's run off CO2. There's, you don't pull anything back. Um, so I wanted to get, I probably already know what your opinion of it is, yeah. but I just wanted to hear you say it out loud. Well, it's, it's, it's not bow hunting equipment. Right. You know, a, a, a bow needs to be handheld and hand drawn under your own power. A uh, crossbow doesn't qualify because it's, it's not handheld and hand, well, it's handheld, but it's not hand drawn. Uh, you just, you, cock it somehow i don't know how you do it but i've then never you, shot one then you i haven't either but then you pull the trigger so it's even though they have That's bow crazy. in the name you, neither one of us has ever shot a crossbow yeah yeah i know but i'd like to because i honestly believe it's if you can get an adult to cock it any eight-year-old can shoot it be proficient with sure. it in 10 minutes yeah uh, if you're used to shooting a gun, you can shoot a crossbow, and and that's not what bow hunting is all about. And I don't want to get into being elitist, but you know, bow hunting is bow hunting, right? And and it's it's always been about making it a little harder. Mm -hmm. And and slinging a spear uh, run on CO2 at 100 yeah. yards doesn't it doesn't appeal to me. No, it doesn't. It might be a cool weapon to use during rifle season if you want to do that. It, but. You know, and it's probably fairly efficient. But you know, a muzzleloader isn't allowed in rifle season if you have specific muzzleloader hunts yeah. and and you know if they if they they restrict you to shotgun or muzzleloader only you can't use a center fire rifle and and during the bow hunts you know it's you should be using a bow and arrow absolutely absolutely well hey it's been great visiting with you man thanks i've uh, certainly enjoyed it yeah i look forward to our next visit excellent excellent i appreciate the opportunity pope and young club president jim willems uh, always great visiting with him uh, truly a lifetime of knowledge as a bow hunter and and i gotta respect jim for making it harder on himself uh, as if bow hunting isn't difficult enough then when you strictly hunt with a recurve wow uh that's impressive stuff and he's been doing that for over 30 years now and he's done a great job heading up the pope and young club here in recent memory as well uh, that segment of the presentation was proudly brought to you by Lone Star Ag Credit. You know, land is the one thing they're not making any more of. Whether you live in Texas or elsewhere, they ain't making any more of it. Lone Star Ag Credit, though, has been helping its borrowers finance their own piece of paradise for over 100 years. They'll do the same for you, whether you want a recreational hunting property, someplace to run cattle, or just somewhere to get out of the big city. 
Let Lone Star Ag Credit help you out. You can find them at LoneStarAgCredit.com. We all hang tight because we'll be right back with EarthX Public Relations Director Patrick Vogel. What's EarthX, you might be asking yourself. Uh, We'll tell you about it next right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Steady Point, a covey rises, over-unders ring out. Cable here for White Rock Upland Birds, an outfit Bell and I have hunted with many times. Whether you bring your bird dogs or use their polished pointers, hunting quail and pheasant on the White Rock Trophy Ranch is an experience to remember. Located 45 minutes from DFW in Italy, Texas, White Rock will waive the $150 guide fee if you mention the Lone Star Outdoors show. Plus, save $25 off any package if you bring your own dogs. So grab your buddies and shotguns and call 972-880-9068 today. Take my hounds to heaven, a little Tyler Childers bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoors Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. I'm your host, Cable Smith. Thanks to our buddy Brad Luttrell of Go Wild for sending that over. Love that tune. Uh, Thank you guys and gals for being here. As we are rocking and rolling, we're about to get into Earth X. Now, what in the hell is Earth X, you might be asking, and I'll tell you up front, it used to be called Earth Day. Why are we going to talk about that on a pro-hunting, pro-kill-it-and-grill-it, smoke-a-pack-a-day, hunting and fishing outdoor show? Well, all I can say is uh, we're going to get into it with EarthX spokesman Patrick Fogel here momentarily. Uh, we have the pleasure of sitting down and taping this interview at Dallas Safari Club 2018. I think you're going to find it fascinating. But first, this segment of the show is brought to you by Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas. If I head out to EarthX this spring, you bet your ass I'm going to be sipping on a cold Lone Star beer. Lone Star beer, the national beer of Texas. All right. Uh, well, without further ado, uh, let's go ahead and take a listen to an interesting interview that I taped with EarthX. Uh, spokesman Patrick Vogel at the DSC show. They had a booth there, which was the first thing that really struck me. And, and it was Ivan Carter, uh, world-renowned conservationist who took me over to the booth and said cable i think there's a conversation to be had here um i think that these people are moving the needle in the right direction as far as coming to an understanding between hunters and tree huggers and at first i was a little skeptical but if ivan says hey this is worth your time and he's certainly someone that i respect and hold in high regard so uh, more as a favor to him, to be honest, originally, anyway, I said, yeah, okay, we'll do it. You know, what's the harm? If if I don't like it, I just won't air it. <laughs> uh, but I think that you will find that Ivan was right and that it's certainly worth taking a listen to. I don't know a lot about Earth Day Texas. Uh, first of all, Patrick, is this specifically a, a Texas uh, event? I know you all have a big um, well, celebration coming up here this spring. 
You know, it started uh, more as a Texas event when uh, our founder, Trammell Crow took it over uh, about 70 years ago from the city of Dallas um, when it was in the market center. And um, he approached the city, uh, wanted to make it a, a bigger, better, stronger event because uh -huh. of his passion for the environment. Uh, was Earth Day Dallas within the first year, went from a, you know, a few tables and tents to 40,000 individuals. Uh, wow. It's now grown. Uh, to Earth Day, Texas, yeah. we uh, we reached an international scale, bringing in ambassadors, um, congressmen, senators, um, you know, corporations from all over the world. So, uh, actually, this past year and this upcoming year, we've now transitioned to Earth X. Um, it takes away, you know, the Earth Day vibe, so that people will understand that we're much more than that right now. Okay. Although our roots are with Earth Day, Texas, and uh, Earth Day in general. Um, you know, we're trying to make a, a bigger, better picture on the uh, international side. So, yes, it is a Dallas event uh, every year uh, that happens to take place on Earth Day. Mm -hmm. uh, this year, it'll be April 20th, 21st, and 22nd. Um, pretty excited. Um, you know, we have a film festival. We have, uh, you know, specializations from transportation, energy, uh, you know, you name it. Um, my focus, uh, wildlife and land conservation, right? Uh, which is why we're here. Uh, Dallas Safari Club has been... Yeah, which uh, is what I was going to ask you, is because typically I think hunters associate mm -hmm. Earth Day or Earth X as a, you know, kind of an anti-hunting, you know, sentiment-based organization. Uh, and Ivan Carter... I was visiting with him yesterday, and he's like, hey, I want you to come over here and, and talk to these people. And I said, well, what in the hell are they doing here? First of all, that was my initial reaction. We get that a lot. Why are you guys here? Why are you in our backyard? But uh, I think it's great that we are pushing the envelope. We are forwarding the conversation uh, because we only have one planet, and uh, we all have to coexist. Yes, we do. And we can agree to disagree as long as you know we do it peacefully, and, and we understand where each other are coming from. Of course. And you know, we'll take anyone in that, that has an environment, uh, environmental message, um, mm -hmm. whether it's the Humane Society or PETA or the Dallas Safari Club uh, and so forth. Um, we like to create the dialogue. Um, us personally, you know, we do believe in the, you know, uh, North American model of wildlife conservation. Uh -huh. um, we try to, you know, show that science can overcome emotion. Um, and yes, it, it, we do get that that odd look. Uh, we, we definitely, you know. <laughs> I think it, I walked by here, earlier and I was like, before he brought me over here, I was like, what? What are yeah. they doing yeah. here? How yeah. does this tie in? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it ties in directly because, you know, you all know what you're doing for the environment. You all know what you're doing for wildlife conservation. Absolutely. Uh, but no one else does. Uh -huh. Or, you know, no one else sees beyond, you know, a short little article or an Instagram photo of a dead animal. Um, and they don't care to do the research behind it. Um, we like to take y'all, and you know, we've been working very closely with Dallas Safari Club. Um, Corey Mason and, and the entire uh, staff and uh, board has been incredibly uh, generous and in, um, in partnering and, and you know helping us out to spread our message. Sure. Um, and in turn, we're trying to get out to uh, to our you know society and our art um, you know populace that you know hunting can be and fishing. Uh, conservation when done correctly and uh and y'all are doing it the right way right so right. um yeah awesome uh, okay well and and like i said um i'm inspired by it because you have so many conversations or it's not really even conversations it's interactions with anti-hunters whether it's them trolling your instagram or mm -hmm. other social media outlets and it's usually just uh they just react emotionally which i you we were talking before we went live here um but when emotions take the place or are more important than science, 
then you can't even have a conversation. The conversation ends right there. It's right. like, okay, they hate me. They wish my kid gets hit by an 18-wheeler. I get it. And I just block them and delete them. Mm-hmm. Can't have a conversation with them. Right. But I think from where you guys are coming from, because I think those people probably support you. Right? Very much so. Yeah. So if you guys can use DSC and, and your belief that sustainable use hunting is uh, conservation, mm-hmm. then maybe we can push that envelope and move the conversation forward, like I was saying. You know, we're, we're trying, and, and, it, and it, it's working. Yeah. Uh, from what we've seen, um, you know, I asked many of the individuals that are here and, and been working with Dallas Safari Club, when they came this past year, uh, you know, yes, they, they got some bad looks. Um, people dropped off some pretty mean notes. Uh, but the people that engaged, uh, they'll be the first to tell you that they changed a lot of minds. Yeah. And, you know, even if it's just one, uh, it, but it's more so, you know, we do have that platform to reach these larger groups. Sure. And, How big is y'all's platform now? You know, this past year we had 120,000 individuals. Uh, we're expecting upwards of 150,000 this year. That uh, excites we, me. I mean, <laughs> we are the uh, the largest event that takes place at the fair uh, outside of the state fair itself or sure. the fairgrounds. Uh, we're the largest event of its kind uh, anywhere in the world. Um, you know, it's gotten to just such a, a critical mass, and, and people are just they're behind it, and it's growing. And uh, we have a great uh, founder in Trammell S. Crow, uh, a great you know leadership uh, internally, and you know everyone's passionate. Uh-huh. Uh, they really are, and. Uh, you know, when you get it and you make it, you know, you'll have blood and, and you, you see what you can do and the changes that are made and the connections that you can put people in touch with. I mean, again, Ivan Carter, great example. Uh, he's been such a friend to the organization and, yeah. and such a great friend to me uh, since meeting because he gets it. Yeah. And we get it. And, uh, you know, when, when people from both sides of the spectrum, my, last time I hunted was 15 years ago. Uh-huh. You know, the way that Ivan uh, kind of laid it out for me, which I, I thought was a, a fantastic way to look at it, is there's hunters there's non-hunters and there's anti-hunters sure and you're never going to make that anti-hunter a hunter no but if you can make that anti-hunter a non-hunter you succeeded yeah you know i'm an outdoorsman i enjoy the wilderness i just haven't had the opportunity to hunt not because i don't want to you know just have not the means or the or the you know the family that grew up doing it yeah um you know but i love the availability too i love what they're doing here and uh yeah it's it's been pretty uh pretty excited just you know learning and, and meeting all these individuals and and I mean from the board down but I, that's a great metaphor if you know because the anti-hunter is not going to just pick up a rifle and say oh, I'm going to become a hunter but mm-hmm. like you said if you can get that make the bridge that gap to where they're okay with hunting they don't do it themselves but they understand it they understand the science behind it okay then you then you've done something yeah yeah you, uh, we have you know films that people are so surprised to see that in you wouldn't think would be pro hunting uh, on the film side during Earth X um, again April twentieth, twenty first, and twenty second. Yeah, plug it away. Um, it, it's you know it's all encompassing, and um, you know we we just we want to get these people out here, um, you know, because here you're just preaching to the choir for the most part. Right. Um, you know, last year the when people we, wouldn't be in here if they weren't looking right? for, or interested in hunting in the outdoors. Right? And it's it's hilarious. Last year, we, you know, we had a um, a clean fracking uh, symposium, and then we had a large anti fracking group. You know, we brought in Scott Pruitt with the EPA, who is you know, very contentious right now, uh-huh. and the March for Science that came through at the same time. You know, Rick Perry spoke. Um, you know, people that you would not think or expect to attend an Earth Day, Earth X type event, and um, you know, it, it creates a conversation and it gets people in the room, and at least gets people talking. Yeah, yeah, and, and you, that just can't be. The value of that is, uh, is is imperative. It's so important because. We're, we're a fractured society, you know, and, and social media makes it easy for everybody to have their opinion and 
really you don't have to answer to anybody whether you're on this side or that side uh, my hope is that whether you're the staunchest anti-hunter or you're a trophy hunter that goes to Africa is that when you have these combative type atmospheres on, on social media is that we take a step back and, and realize we're all just people mm-hmm. at the end of the day I don't the, the people that t- wish death threats on me and I get them every day oh yeah I just if I respond which is very rare I just say hey hope you have a nice life I, I don't I don't harbor any ill will towards you I just you know and I don't understand I'm a human being I've got a family yeah. so while we all come from different walks of life uh, I think we all just need to keep that in mind and and, and I'm gonna tell the hunting community uh, don't respond to those kind of hateful messages mm-hmm. with anything but just the utmost politeness because that's how if we are going to get the anti-hunter to become a non-hunter, I think that's that's paramount. Yes, yeah, screaming at each other is not going to get us anywhere. But we see it every day. Of course. We got to stop it. Mm-hmm. And then again, it, it does come back to that conversation. Yeah. Uh, again, you know, when when people see <laughs> the large corporations that we bring in, it, it's always a question of why. Yeah. But as soon as you sit down and you understand, you know, everyone's trying. You know, yeah. We all we all have to live here. Sure. And, uh, and and hopefully for several more generations, you know. <laughs> right, right. And uh, and that's what we're all trying to succeed for. So if people wanted to uh, look you guys up on the uh, interweb, where could they do that? We are on earthx.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have a Facebook on the Instagram page and so forth. Um, but more important, we just love for everyone to come out, uh, give us a shot. Um, yes, you will see people doing yoga. Yes, you will see. Goat you know, yoga or just regular yoga? Actually, we are doing goat yoga. It's, oh uh, it's hot now. It's, uh, oh, it's what all the cool kids are doing. doing that. I was like, what are we doing? I, it's, it's out there. You know, <laughs> you will see people probably hugging trees. Yeah. And, uh, you know. And you'll but, see hunters. And you will see hunters. Yeah. And Ivan Carter will be speaking at it. Ivan Carter will be out there. Oh. Dallas Fire Club will be out there. Texas Parks and Wildlife. Um, the works. You know, awesome. Department of Tear and Department of Energy. Uh, large corporations, small corporations. Yeah. And if well, any, you know, anyone wants to come on out and check it out, or if anyone wants to exhibit and get their message out, please go on the website, contact me. Um, we'd love to have you. If you've got a message that you know you believe it's for the betterment of the earth, we'll listen and we'll put you in front of people that that will listen as well. Well, hey, Patrick, it's been a it's been a pleasure. Cable, thank Enjoy you. Yeah. Appreciate you having me on the show. All right, there you have it. Our discussion with Earth X's Patrick Vogel. And, uh, and I truly do believe, I honestly, from the bottom of my heart, believe that this is a worthwhile cause. Like he regurgitated from Ivan Carter, if we can convince the anti-hunter to become a non-hunter, we've succeeded. Uh, because we'll never get them to become a hunter. That is for sure. Uh, but that conversation needs to happen. Because like Shane Mahoney said a couple weeks back, uh, he fears that within the next 15 years, we will be shut down as a hunting community unless we change our message. That segment brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy, now with the second location in San Antonio to go along with the original Marion, Texas store. Uh, Josh and Becky Gunther have been taking care of all of my taxidermy needs for a long, long time. They do impeccable work, offer fast turnaround time, and they answer the phone Every time you call. That's right. Rustic Reminders Taxidermy. You can find them at GRTheNumber8Mounts.com. That's GRTheNumber8Mounts.com. Well, just looking at the clock here, unfortunately, we've got to go. Got to get out of here. Flat out of time. 
Uh, thanks to both of our guests today, Jim Willems, president of the Pope and Young Club. Always great talking archery with our old friend, also Patrick Vogel of Earth X. Uh, thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of the Lone Star Outdoors show. Until next time, here's a little Weezer taking us on home and loving memory. My buddy Andrew Densmore passed away four years ago this week. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying y'all have a great week in the outdoors. <laughs>